Welcome to this episode of the Street Sessions, business podcast brought to you by Streets Chartered Accountants. I'm James Pinchbeck, the firm's marketing partner, and I'll be hosting this session in which I'm joined by Andrew Tier, a director with insolvency and business restructuring specialist, McTeer, Williams and Wood. In this session, we'll be focusing on business insolvencies in light of the, right, the sharp rise in business failures. We'll be looking at what businesses can do to manage exposure to bad debts from customers who may become insolvent, as well as what to do if your business looks like it is facing insolvency. Welcome, Andrew. I'm delighted you're able to join us for this session. Uh, I know we've already had a, a sort of pre-recorded chat about uh, insolvencies and, and the state of the market. But if I may to start with, could I just ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself and your, your own organisation? Thank you. Yes, well, thank you very much for uh, inviting me uh, to this podcast. Uh, so my name is Andrew McTeer. I'm a chartered accountant and a licensed insolvency practitioner. Uh, and I've specialised uh, in insolvency uh, now for uh, almost 40 years and been taking uh, insolvency appointments as administrator and liquidator uh, for about 30 years. Uh, and my organisation uh, is McTeer Williams and Wood Limited, uh, and we're one of the largest uh, independent regional uh, business rescue and insolvency specialists in the UK, uh, specialising uh, in advising SME businesses uh, and also uh, unravelling uh, fraud uh, which involve insolvency processes. So um, that's us. Thank you. If we may, can we start with um, really the background to, to some extent, why we're recording this um, particular episode of our, our podcast? There definitely does seem to be a bit of an upturn, unfortunately, in uh, businesses uh, at risk from financial circumstances. Um, and, and in some ways, it seems parallel to the financial crash and the downturn in 2008. You know, it, we obviously gone through a pandemic that will have an impact um, whilst intervention was there to support businesses. Uh, but there are, must be a number of reasons why we're seeing a particular upturn at the moment. And I wonder what, if you could sort of say generically what they may be and what, 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 why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yes. So um, corporate insolvencies, and, that, and that's what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, so that is liquidations and administrations. Uh, and company voluntary arrangements. Um, they have increased markedly. Um, and um, in the uh, pandemic, when the government opened up the stock cops and there was lots of business support uh, going to SMEs, in fact, insolvencies roughly halved um, from uh, normal levels. Um, when the government stopped that support, uh, it bounced back quite sharply. Uh, to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, but since then, it's gone higher. And actually, recently, uh, it's gone as high uh, as it did in the global financial crisis uh, in 2008-2009. So we are actually now uh, at historically high levels, uh, having been in the middle of the pandemic at historically extremely low levels. In fact, never, never reached those low levels before. What's causing it? Um, what we're seeing is um, businesses not able to raise funds, so uh, banks' appetite uh, and asset-based um, lenders' appetite to lend uh, is less, uh, and also um, 
customers are delaying orders, reducing orders, um, and that's affecting forecasts and cash flows. Uh, so it's it's significant reductions in uh, turnover that customers are seeing, uh, and they but they have to respond to that very quickly, uh, or um, they losses mount and cash becomes tight. Are you also seeing the impact of uh, we, we we saw post pandemic uh, a frustrated supply chain that perhaps was pent up demand but people couldn't get products to market and also that frustrated supply chain has increased exponentially the cost of raw materials and inputs aside from the increase of cost of operating a business from you know either finance costs or energy costs. Yes. So we did see some of that uh, when we first came out of lockdowns, uh, and that was significant for some businesses. Um, but for example, we, we were advising um, a steel uh, frame and cladding company, uh, and uh, they were you know working hard um, with their customers, uh, managing their cash flow, uh, and, and they had uh, two major steel suppliers. Uh, and they both turned around and said to them, actually, you can forget all the previous uh, order uh, programs, uh, delivery programs. It's going to be six, everything is six months later than we previously said. Uh, and then all of a sudden they looked at their cash flows again uh, and they couldn't make it work. Uh, right. So we did see that in the early days after the lockdowns. Uh, uh, and there were several businesses that we saw with disrupted supply chains, uh, but not actually now. No. I suppose really what we're seeing is if you've got declining revenue uh, and a reduced access to finance and actually diminished or reduced margins, that's starting to impact significantly in the broadest terms on businesses. But are there any of the, I mean, I think we've talked, you know, are there any, any particular sectors or is it just the nature of the structure and the, the makeup of your business, any one business that's really sort of... The trend. Yeah, so uh, generally speaking, uh, we don't see sectors in particular trouble. Uh, so every sector, you know, be it manufacturing or wholesaling or you know, whatever it might be, uh, has companies that do really, really well, companies that are, you know, doing okay, and companies that are doing badly. Uh, and we and, and we get to advise and, and, and work with companies that are actually doing badly. Um, and... Um, and so sectors don't normally, you know, it isn't a big feature. Uh, this time right now, I'd say there's more hospitality. So that is a sector we are seeing more of than usual. Uh, but otherwise, uh, not really. It's across the board. And, and uh, so, as I say, we, we, we can understand there's an increase. Um, what would be the warning signs? I mean, some of them are probably obvious to a business, many businesses. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got less cash, um, you know, but things like my creditors are taking longer to pay. You know, what are the real warning signs that my business could be at risk? Uh, that, that what would you say that the directors should be thinking of? Yeah, so there's, I mean, potentially there's lots, but it really mostly boils down to cash. Businesses don't go bust because they're making losses. The losses may then affect cash, uh, but uh, it's cash that uh, causes a business to go bust. And ultimately, it's when a business can't pay the wages. Uh, so it's when cash is becoming tight, uh, when they, when the directors are fine, or the company 
are finding that they're having to run the business um, for maximizing cash rather than run the business for maximizing profit. Um, And it's where they are struggling to pay their creditors. Uh, And uh, a good sign of that is when uh, suppliers are putting you on stock. So I think if suppliers are putting you on stock uh, and you can't see an immediate solution to it, uh, I, I would say that is a big warning sign. Uh, the other thing is, if, if you're relying on, if your suppliers are relying on credit insurance, um, then very, very quickly, uh, from having one or two suppliers putting you on stop, uh, or, or rather reducing facilities, uh, or all of a sudden, uh, if the credit insurers become aware that that the, your payment record is poor, um, the the credit facilities of your suppliers uh, are withdrawn entirely by the credit insurers. And so it, it is a situation that can move from a bit of a problem to a massive problem very quickly. And and, and I suppose, you know, then if you move to that, that's a pretty obvious sign. But also, how does one, a company director and a business owner, assess the true situation? You know, I think we would say as a firm of accountants, management reporting has improved dramatically and significantly over the last 20 years because of technology uh, 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 and and real-time data is much more widely available. But actually, when you come to looking at a situation where your business is at risk, what sort of things should be, you know, you should be sitting down and and, and assessing, really? Okay, so uh, once... You're becoming concerned. Well, once your suppliers are putting you on stop, you're looking at your bank account, there's not enough there. Uh, then uh, really the thing to do is to focus on cash. Uh, and one of the best ways to do that, actually, uh, is do a daily or, um, depending on the size of your business, weekly cash flow uh, to cover the next 12 weeks. Uh, and then follow that, keep it updated, uh, and, and then you're, you know, you're looking ahead and you're anticipating, you're, you're able to take some remedial actions uh, to uh, improve the situation if you see a particular uh, blip coming up. Uh, so I would say if you're concerned about it and, and you want to double down and refocus, uh, then uh, do that around uh, a 12-week rolling cash flow. Having worked with a few businesses over the years that have faced of this financial uncertainty and, and pressure. Sometimes it, I, I found that actually actually recording what you're doing and thinking it out and having uh, probably a bit more of a management approach to the situation is actually quite good to do evidence the process you've gone through as well, isn't it? Yes. I mean, we talked about um, a company getting warning signs and cash becoming tight, uh, but there will come a point where the company crosses the line yeah. from being solvent uh, to being insolvent. Um, and if you if you think you're there uh, or near there, then really you probably ought to be getting some external advice, either from your accountants uh, or from a specialist like us, yeah. uh, or, or potentially even your your lawyer. Um, a, a lawyer will certainly give you the the sort of legal situation, uh, but uh, an accountant is going to be more likely to be able to help you with cash flows. Uh, and um, and ultimately, uh, if the situation serious, you really need to be talking to a licensed insolvency practitioner uh, like me. 
And I think I will, I will always advocate the sooner the better or the earlier the conversation, even if there's not a requirement for the particular advice or services at that time, I think is always helpful. You kindly shared with me uh, your business rescue and survival guide, which I think is a, a brilliant guide to assessing where you are at and then considering the steps that you might take. Uh, and I know hopefully we can make that available with listeners uh, in due course. Um, yeah, as we <laughs> talked about running out of cash, I think you've highlighted often the one of the scientists that you can't you can't receive any access to external funding is dried up. Uh, your creditors are placing you under pressure. You know all those sort of things are good telltale signs that you, you need to take action. And I think that's a really good thing to do. Um, you know it may be possible to trade out a situation. We've obviously seen some very uh, high profile um, uh, situations where businesses have recently come unstuck. Um, and I think there's a level of optimism, but I think what you need, businesses really need, is a level of realism. And actually, it, it can be, as we talked before we started recording, it's a very emotive thing. If you're an owner-manager and your business is at risk, um, the risk of equally of doing something or not doing something is probably greater because you're trying to protect. Um, and sometimes it can be family members in a family business, can't it? Yes. So uh, I think once you cross that line into insolvency, uh, directors need to change their mindset from uh, working for the company and its shareholders uh, to working in the interests of the company's creditors yes. uh, and minimising uh, the loss to creditors. Uh, and, um, uh, and once you are at that point, uh, it is important to keep good records of your decisions, uh, have more regular board meetings or have board meetings if you don't normally have them, uh, minute the decisions, uh, and if you're in doubt about it, you know, get some external uh, advice. Uh, you, you know, you've, you've got to cover your tracks, uh, you know, that much better. Uh, one, one thing we definitely see a lot, uh, and it's a really important bit of advice to directors, is if you, if you are concerned uh, that your company might be insolvent, uh, and, and that is... Uh, that it's got net liabilities on the balance sheet or it can't pay its creditors as they fall due. If the um, director shareholders are mainly paid through dividends historically, so a, a lowish basic wage um, plus dividends, uh, they do need, do need to switch to uh, not paying dividends any longer because those can only be made from distributable reserves uh, and uh, to switch to a salary uh, at a market rate, uh, and, and it might seem strange if the company's struggling that uh, you'd burden it with a market rate salary when it didn't have a market rate salary before. But directors are entitled to be paid a, a market salary, uh, and that way the liquidator isn't going to come back later and ask uh, you as a director shareholder to return those dividends. I think that's, uh, that, that's uh, uh, one of the top 10 tips for worried directors that you produce as well, which I thought was a great read, you know. And, and, and actually highlights something often not considered. You know, the, uh, the, the, the salary versus dividends, which is, you know, often adopted for a, a sort of a remuneration planning for company directors. The use of directors' loan accounts equally is, is, is linked to all that, isn't it, really? Which probably neatly runs on to the other nine, which we've probably covered some of the, already, your, your top tips, top 10 tips. Well, obviously, know the financial position, which I think is a great, great one. Uh, treat creditors equally, and that is so so important that you know you mustn't say favour one creditor over another. You must treat them equally. 
Um, you've talked about seeking professional advice. Um, perhaps we could just talk about don't let crown debt get 12 months in arrears and also the um, sort of current situation with particularly HMRC about uh, you know any outstanding payments to them. Has there been a change in, with with the revenue at all in terms of you know PAYE, VAT, etc.? Uh, yes, I would say um, HMRC uh, during the uh, you know the COVID pandemic uh, and all the business support that was going in. Uh, one of the things the government did is direct HMRC to be lenient, uh, and they were. Uh, and pretty much if you were a company director and not able to pay your VAT or your PAYE or your corporation tax uh, or, or for your company to pay those, um, you could ring HMRC up and uh, say you can't pay. And they would pretty much say, how long do you need? You would say, uh, and the job was done. Um, that has definitely hardened up and they're bringing that back uh, to more normal levels, I would say. Um, Pre-COVID, um, you could typically negotiate time to pay for six months and um, and expect that, and quite often uh, be able to negotiate 12 months uh, time to pay. Um, during the pandemic, it wasn't unusual to get three years, even five years to pay. Now, I'd say it's pretty much back to 12 months. So um, if you, if, you know, HMRC are reluctant to agree long, time to pay agreements. The other thing about um, HMRC is uh, in the insolvency world, it's sort of seen as an involuntary creditor. Uh, so a trade creditor can decide to trade with you or not. HMRC doesn't have that uh, because it, you know, it has to collect the taxes for the government. Uh, and so you know, it, it's not deciding whether to give you credit or not, you're just taking it. Um, and if uh, crown debt is over 12 months in arrears, uh, then uh, the insolvency service, when they get a report from an insolvency practitioner like me um, uh, on director's conduct, they're, they're looking at that. Uh, and if it's over 12 months, they will consider um, disqualifying uh, directors um, for uh, not acting reasonably. Um, so 12 months um, is, I would say, you know, where that, Danger starts uh, clearly if you're up 24 months or three years or something arrears, uh, then uh, you know the higher it goes, the greater the risk. And directors can be disqualified for up to 15 years, uh, although that's rare. Uh, it's, it's more typically sort of three to eight years. If, if I may, just to put a bit of peace of mind about directors' disqualification, I, I don't have any data on the number of date, uh, dis directors disqualified. But actually, is there a, is, have you got any thoughts on the, or can you give us an indication that actually just how many directors in real terms are disqualified, you know, as a percentage of insolvencies? Is it, it isn't, I, I've got my gut feeling it isn't as high an occurrence as people might think, but obviously it does happen, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. It, it does happen. Um, I, I don't have those stats, actually. No, no, I would guess, I would guess it's 5%. Let's say in five percent of uh, uh, insolvencies uh, that the directors might, might get disqualified. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not common. It's not common. Um, but but it, it's not always you know really bad directors that get disqualified. It's also directors that 
just happen to sort of slip up and, and make a silly mistake. Because um, to some extent, what the insolvency service um, like is a sort of easy prosecution. Uh, and, and, and for example, even if there's a director in their 70s or 80s and, and they're looking to retire, um, they, they, don't, they don't think, well, we're not going to bother because they're never going to be a director again. It, it's a statistics event. Uh, so, um, so yes, so you don't want to make silly mistakes. Now, there's this qualification could be in relation to something that uh, happens prior or is to your engagement or any insolvency practitioner engagement, but equally by engaging you may help you help individuals ensure that they don't fall foul. But as I say, if it's a, a pre, a bit like a medical term, if there's a pre-existing condition or situation you did, it doesn't exonerate you from that behaviour, does it? That's, that's... I, th I think if you uh, if you take professional advice early on, I mean the biggest risk of doing something wrong is 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 the closer you get to insolvency. Right. Uh, so you know if you're coming for advice six months before uh, and you're following that advice, I think it's very very unlikely yeah. that you're going to get into director's disqualification uh, and, and unless you've been up to no good for years. Um, you know, yeah. So um, you, but that's your insurance policy. Uh, take and follow professional advice. Yeah. And, and, and I think the other a couple of your top tens are yeah, you know, very sound advice. Be smart of injecting rescue funding. You know, good money after bad. It sort of sounds like uh, my grandmother's advice to running a business, but it is actually you know it, it's it's very sound advice. It's, you know, just be careful that. You know, the emotion of a business can be that uh, somebody might say, well, I'll help you out. And actually, you, they think and you think they're helping, but actually it might not be the case, isn't it? I mean, that's a, a very sound comment. That's right. And um, there are ways of putting rescue funding, you know, last throw of the dice type of funding into a company relatively safely. Um, it's a little more complicated where there's a bank with a debenture, uh, but it can still be done. What we would advise is if you're thinking of putting rescue funding in, uh, either talk to an insolvency lawyer or an insolvency accountant, uh, because we've seen it done right where there's no problems and we've seen it done wrong where there's lots of problems. Yeah. And I think you, you'll, you'll have a plan B is another um, a very wise piece of advice. Actually, if you do scenario planning, actually, at least you go, well, actually, if this doesn't work, I know what I'm going to do next. And actually, it helps you possibly deal with the, that's the situation where you're in better, and so that's really sound. And I think you know, don't let you let uh, let it get you down. I'm sure you you will have had it, the experience of many businesses over the years where you've sat in those meetings and and, and have to, you know, support uh, many of the the businesses you've worked with that I'm having. Yes, so um, actually uh, only one in four of the companies that uh, are referred to us for advice end up in an insolvency process. So absolutely, you know, we, we help people through and out. Uh, and if you, if you come earlier, there's going to be more options to do that. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, definitely, you know, creditors putting you on stop and so on and so on. Isn't it? But if you're starting to lose sleep at night and, and worried about it, uh, then, you know, you really should seek advice. Um, you know, it's a difficult job being a director uh, and uh, there's plenty of help out there, uh, but it's not going to find you. You need to find it. So we've talked about businesses that may be facing uh, an adverse trading situation. 
Can we just finally pick up on those businesses that may find that their one of their and their customers and or suppliers may be at risk, uh, and and how they may go about safeguarding or protecting their business, Andrew? Yes. So um, it, it may be that your company is perfectly sound, but of course it's at risk from its suppliers and its customers uh, that are more likely to uh, be going bust. They're going to come across this more often than perhaps they've seen historically. So uh, on the customer side is know your customer um, and uh, sharpen up your credit control, be stricter with suppliers. Um, if if you're a key customer uh, for a supplier, uh, you can ask for um, you know some financial information uh, potentially uh, if if you're if you're in a strong enough negotiating position for that. Uh, we've actually even seen. Um, companies uh, ask someone like me to go in and review uh, their customer uh, so that you know they can get comfort that the customer is going to be able to pay them uh, that's quite extreme I suppose and uh, uh, and and would have to be you know in, in a particular set of circumstances uh, on the supplier side uh, then uh, dual sourcing uh, is a good idea for critical products and services uh, so that if uh, one supplier would go bust, you've got another one uh, already uh, accredited and able to supply you. Um, and then the last thing I'd say for, you know, a sound business uh, that, uh, you know, is trying to manage risk uh, in an environment where customers and suppliers are more likely to go bust, you're, as a sound business, you're more at risk from short-term shocks, uh, from a customer going down, from a key supplier going down. So maintain more headroom uh, in your cash flows than you normally would to absorb uh, those short-term shocks. No, that, that, that's really good and sound advice. So thank you, Andrew. And I think that's, it, it's good to think about that from a business perspective. One last thing I'd say is um, if your um, customer has gone bust on you uh, and you've supplied goods in, so this isn't services, that this is physical goods, uh, then you and you've got a retention of title clause, uh, then uh, you can pursue that. Uh, it's a bit of a cat and mouse game with the insolvency practitioner that's being appointed. Uh, but we could act for you, if you like, against the insolvency practitioner trying to reject that claim. Uh, and um, and so, you know, if the stock is still there uh, and your paperwork's good, you should be able to get the stock back. So thank you, Andrew, again. So that's a really sound advice if you're, if you're a business where your supply chain could be at risk and all your customers are at risk, you know, it, it, is, it, it is very sound. Now, thank you, Andrew. Uh, and, and, and if people want a copy of your top 10 tips and survival guide, they can visit www.mw-w.com or email Andrew McTeer uh, at mw-w.com. Um, so thank you. And as I say, I think what we've highlighted there is the importance of seeking advice. And actually, there's some very friendly, very professional individuals out there to support businesses. You know, don't feel alive. And if, if, if you, for whatever reason, do, do reach out to prospective uh, advisors like Andrew and his team. Um, for further information on Streets Chartered Accountants and our own business advisory services, please visit www.streets.uk or email info at streets.uk. 
Uh, thank you also to you for listening. We look forward to catching up with you again in future settings.